You're listening to Coach Talk, a podcast about coaching for improvement in health and social care. Here you will meet several international experts and coaches to discuss challenges, opportunities, models and tools that might be useful when you coach others to make improvements. Okay, a very welcome in the studio. And in the studio I have Dee Gray. Dee, where are you right now? Can you just explain a bit where you are and who you are? Right now I am in North Wales, which is uh, one of the four countries in the UK. And I am, like many, many people across the world, working from home. So I am in my office at home. Yes, uh, it's November 2020. I don't know when the people are listening. Maybe they will listen in five years and they will think, what are they doing there? Um, and what what is your work? Uh, I conduct research into well-being and I design uh, training programs that help people manage very stressful working environments. So all of my work is is with people who work on the front line, frontline services. Uh, so the, the, the programs are designed specifically for them. Uh, but I also coach. I'm a coach and my coaching practice is uh, wrapped around the training programs, part of the training programs. And I train people to be able to use the methodology that I've devised through my research. Okay, thank you, G. And uh, my name is Nicolien Wackerberg, and I'm a development leader at Culturum. And today, um, D and me, we, we wanted to talk with you about co-production. Um, D, your first thoughts about co-production. I, I think you were very funny when I talked to you last week and you said, oh, no, co-production, is it the new holy grail? That was your reaction. Yeah, um, it was, and, and it still is. Uh, it is. It still is my reaction. Uh, co-production is is an ideal, uh, something for us to work towards and and keeping our sights. But I don't think, in in reality, we can uh, claim to use it in its fullest uh, extent all the time. We we don't because as humans we we default. Uh, in all sorts of ways, and we certainly default in, in co-production because there are a lot of things that impact upon it. So it, it is, it, it's the holy grail. It is. Um, well, bef before we are talking further about this co-production, I think a lot of people have different definitions. Um, what does co-production mean to you? Uh, for me, um, it means uh, a balancing of power and establishing a relationship with either an individual or, or groups of people where the power base is shared. So uh, equality is, is essential for co-production. Uh, apart from that, uh, I think what is also really, really important are the ethics behind co-production and that everybody has an asset, something to bring to, to the table. So they're, they're the, the two main things, I think, that are really, really important to me and certainly the things that stand out when I'm coaching. Mm -hmm. Sounds very nice. I was exploring about the definition about co-production and to be honest, there is no really agreed definition. There, there are still boundaries that are unclear, but 
I did find one from Paul Batalden, and I was just thinking for our listeners, maybe it can be nice to, to hear what he is saying. Um, Co-production of health describes interdependent work of users and professionals in creating, designing, producing, delivering, assessing, and evaluating the relationship and actions that contribute to health of individuals and population. Interaction in different roles and degrees of shared work. Exploring users' needs builds trust. It leads to a relationship which is the key to shared actions and agreement. What do you think of that, Nadi? That's lovely, isn't it? Um, it really is. And these these statements, these definitions, um, are a way to guide, I think, uh, the change that's required for people to fully engage with co-production. We're, we're talking about changing behaviour, changing many, many years of established and embedded practice of people working in certain ways. So co-production is something that we need to learn and relearn over and over again. But everything that he he speaks about there, um, I think everybody would like that. Everybody would say, yes, that, that sounds that sounds just what we need. But even even when everybody agrees this this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to work, circumstances will come out of the blue where you actually have to kind of like put that to one side and and go right now I'm going to tell you what to do because we're in a crisis situation and we can't wait around for us to co-produce a response we need to act so I think we do need to keep our feet on the ground with with co-production so you say, well, everybody would like this, but it is not always possible. Where, where would you start if you were, if you were going to co-produce the best way you know? How, where would you start? Um, I start with individuals and work out, work outwards and revisit uh, what co-production means over and over again. We, we have, a, like I said earlier, a tendency to, to default to go back to to our, our original habits. So we, we need to rewire the brain towards co-production all the time, all the time. So, so for instance, in, in coaching practice, when when you're coaching an individual or a team, you, you need to lay the ground rules for the relationship with that individual and the team. But you also need to be mindful that they have asked for your professionalism they have asked for your input for a specific reason and while you want to create a, a, a relationship of equals uh, that person or that team is, is is asking you to intervene to change something to bring something to to a, a different point in in its evolutional development so I think what you need to do as a coach and what I strive to do is to bring co-production into a relationship with people where it is practical and then know when I need to step into a different form of being with people so that I am fulfilling my purpose as a coach. Um, and that seems to work. That seems to work. And the, you know, it, the, the values that you establish in your coaching practice 
recognizing the assets of the person you're you're working with or the teams you're working with it is central to co-production and it, it's been a, a it's been called a coaching practice for many many years so i think co-production and coaching are, are good bedfellows but coaching has historically uh, been a, a, a relationship where the coach acts as um, the other in that relationship. And mm. I, I, I don't think we should lose sight of the value of that and go, well, we, we actually just need to co-produce everything together because there's real value in being the other in, in a coach relationship. Yeah, could you repeat that once more? Because I'm not sure I agree with you. What did you say? That the coach was the author of the conversation? No, no, no sorry, that's my accent. The other. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that, that, just to get that clear, because I was thinking, hey, that's not my definition of a coach. No, uh, no, no. no. Uh, no. The, the other. So um, yeah. as, in, as in sort of um, distinct from the person or the people you're coaching so while you have this interrelationship and interdependence that is part of co-production and part of a coaching relationship yeah. you also need to remain the other you need to remain distinct because you need to be objective yeah. there are times when your advice will be called upon so uh you you can't just become a co-production co coach you can coach people to be more co-productive but I don't think you can base your whole practice on being co-productive all of the time okay so it's yeah I think so I think well let, let's try it out so I think you say you need to be at a distance but also be close to to your team or to your client so in a way I think in quality improvement we are talking about being on the dance floor and on the balcony and that you have to change these two perspectives the whole time being on the dance floor and being on the balcony is that about the same what you said or did I get it wrong no no that's that's um that is what I mean I'm sort of um thinking of when as as a as a person when we go through the process of becoming ourselves and we recognize our individuality, then it's important to understand where that begins and ends. This is who I am and, and I am distinct from, from other people, but also to um, accept that there is this beautiful uh, semiosis between us all where we interconnect and how we behave, how we act changes them, how they behave and they act changes us. It's, it's our in interconnectedness with, with, with the planet that uh, causes us to be shaped and for us to shape the planet. And that is also a big part of co-production, that understanding that exchange and valuing that exchange. But part of being a coach is understanding you are distinct and your skill set, your knowledge, your experience, your expertise, has its own value base, which is why you have been consulted, which is why somebody wants you to intervene in their lives or in the, the evolution and development of the team. So um, that kind of brings me back to why I, I believe co-production 
uh, has to remain a holy grail. It has to remain an ideal, something that we bring into practice, but we don't make it absolutely what we do because that actually doesn't make much sense. Mm, tell, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell you more. OK, so a lot of the people I work with as a coach are um, in a situation where they are um, very stressed. They have been in a stressful environment for quite some time. Uh, they are overwhelmed and often burnt out. They have compassion fatigue, not just for the people they work with or the clients they provide service for, but for themselves. So when I start to work with them, I don't think what they want or what they need is for me to sit down and expect them to co-produce their outcomes with me, to co-produce the sessions with me. Initially, what they need from me is to be present, to listen, to show that I am listening and acknowledging the space, and then gently to bring them into a relationship with me where we work together as equals, then we can bridge into co-production. But initially, nobody who is really, really on the edge wants, wants you to come to them and say, well, I think you've got a lot of assets and I think you've got a lot that you can contribute to, to what's going on. So let's, let's work together in a co-produced way. I okay. think initially, initially what they want is the balm of human kindness and for you as a coach just to listen and then move towards co-production yeah yeah i think you're right you have to start building the platform we, we call it the platform and um, the relationship and and the support before you are going to challenge them I, I think a coach is always balancing are we supporting or are we challenging them and uh, if you are going to challenge them too early you will get a bounce back. So, mm. so now I think that's the same what you say. Just listen carefully and be there and support them. And then from there, you can challenge them. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, you told me the last time also a bit about the co-production. You said, hey, wait a minute. If you are going to co-produce in improvement work, how is it with the co-responsibility? Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you remember that you told me that? Uh, I do, I do. I think you were a bit, um, you had experience on that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, where I am in Wales, uh, we've got a, a reasonably well-developed uh, practice of, of co-production and there is an established co-production network. And a number of years ago, I would uh, be part of the co-production movement. I met um, the very wonderful Edgar Kahn many years ago and was inspired by, by his work. And from that developed a lot of what I have done because of Edgar Kahn, including the, the coaching network. It's all based on, on his approach of time-bound human reciprocity. So I went along to these co-production um, workshops, meetings, uh, because I was very interested in how this could be developed in Wales. And uh, my experience of them has, has been that there are many people who have 
reasons, very good reasons for wanting to have more involvement in the design, uh, the production of services, frontline services, public services, um, and they bring their voice and their experience to the shaping of, of them. And, and that is a, an incredibly valid thing to do. But there is an expectation then that these same people will be heard every time and their requests will be met. And I think that can lead to disappointment. And my question at one of, one of these many gatherings was, if we are all equal, if we can all contribute to the design, the shaping, the development and delivery of service, then shouldn't we also have equal responsibility for those services? And that was not met with um, too much welcome, to be honest, because I think that it, it is easier to say, this is my experience and this, this is what needs to change, and then step away and feel as if your job is done without realizing that those professionals you have shared that information with are bound by professional codes, they're bound by the contracts of employment, that they're bound by their own ethical practice, and they have accountability and responsibility for what they do in work. So I believe if you are stepping up to the plate and saying, we need to co-produce services, then you also need to say, and I will accept my share of responsibility, but if and when things don't work as we hoped they, they would. Because we all know that failure is a huge part of learning. It's a huge part of our reality in public services. And we need to take responsibility for that also. And not just say, I want the cherry on the cake. We have to say, I'll also clean up the mess if the cake burns. Mm. So, but that didn't go down too well. <laughs> well, I, I can part. imagine when you hear that the first time that you are thinking, oh my goodness, how, how are we going mm. to do that shared responsibility? But if you just digest it a bit, you, you're probably thinking, well, that was quite a good idea. So what is the next step? Did you, did you get any other feedback afterwards? Um, since then, in, in the sort of in the guidance and the mission statements out of a lot of the policies that shape the co-production network and the, the organizations that work closely with them, they do include in their, in their literature um, responsibility, shared mm. responsibility. But in practice, I think that the responsibility still rests with the professionals who deliver the care mm. and don't just design and shape the, the care that, that's being provided. So I think it's it's changed in as much as people realize it, it's important, but I don't think people are accepting their responsibility for, for what may or may not happen as a consequence of their input. So as a coach, how, how could you facilitate that process to share the responsibility? If I, well, if I was working with, with a team of people, I think we need to put that shared responsibility right at the heart of, of what we're doing. So people understand, have a shared understanding and can contribute to co-produce what that responsibility means 
what does responsibility mean to a co-production co of, of a particular service? What does it mean to us? How do we know when we've we've identified it? How do we know when we've done it? I mean, you, you can easily use a lot of the, the methods and practices that you use in, a, in your day-to-day -day coaching practice. What does it look like? How do we know when we've done it? And, and get the, the team of people to actually decide between them what is shared responsibility? Set the, the, the values of the group, set the norms of the group, set, set the objectives of the group to include a, a true shared responsibility. And then monitor it, keep an eye on it and keep people, keep bringing people back to, well, we're all responsible for this. All of us are responsible for this. I think, to be honest, society as a whole is being shifted towards accepting responsibility for actions as a whole for what is going on um, in the world. We are being asked to take responsibility. So perhaps the methods of co-production and what is going on generally in our lives will come together. Mm. We need to take responsibility. Mm. Yeah, I think so. That That is a nice um, wrapping up, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm. if, if we look a little bit back what we have been talking about, uh, is there something else that you say, um, this is missing, I, I, I want to talk about something else? You have been talking of the Holy Grail, you have been talking of shared responsibility. Um, and building a platform before you are going to co-produce? Um, there is one small thing. I think for me, in, in, in my work, when, when you're able to step into co a co-producing -pro relationship with the people you're working with, then you are getting them to accept and realize that they are responsible for their own well-being. It might take a good old battering by the experience of working on the front line, but ultimately the responsibility of whether they stay well, whether they can orient towards their best selves, rests with them. And when they realize that, they become different people. They become different people. The power rests with them to be well. And that is really what we should all be working towards, that kind of responsibility. Mm. And what do you mean by they become different people? In what way are they different? Well, if we think about it in terms of co-production, um, they realise that life isn't being done to them. Things aren't being done to them. If you go back to the principles of co-production, it's about not having a service delivered to you. It's about having a voice in that, how that service is, is designed and, and, and delivered. So it's about realizing life isn't happening to me. I have a say in how I shape my life. Mm. Well-being is something that I actually can influence. It's, it's not about everything that's going on outside. It's also about me saying, this is what I'm going to do about it and taking responsibility for that. Mm. So the when we now are closing up, what are you going to do about it? 
what am I going to do about my well-being during the COVID pandemic? I am going to do things that um, bring a sense of calmness, allow me to step back from things when I feel, I know I'm beginning to feel the sense of overwhelm myself. And I'm going to be kind to myself. I'm going to be really, really kind to myself and indulge myself at times because if I don't, then my well-being will suffer. That's mm. what I'm going to do. That sounds really great. I want to thank you so much for this pod and um, I hope to see you another time again. This is the second pod that you and me are running and maybe we will do a third one. So thank all the listeners and um, hope that we see you again, all the listeners, to the next time. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is made by Kulturum Design and Learning Center in Sweden.